John the sixth chapter, verse 44. Jesus speaking these words. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Verse 48. I am that bread of life. Then we go to verses 53 through 58. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Went on to say, This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, oh, whither shall I go? Father. Father, for waking us up. 
We thank you, Father, for giving us the strength. We know, Heavenly Father, we all is weak. We ask you, Father, to look upon those who are sick. We ask you if you show mercy to show mercy for Father to them. We ask you, Father, to help us, oh Heavenly Father, to stay on to stay on the right track. We know, Heavenly Father, we all fall short. But Father, we know that you is there to, oh Heavenly Father, lift us up. We come, Father, asking that, oh Heavenly Father, that you would, oh Heavenly Father, smile on real for them. Oh Heavenly Father, we ask that thy word, oh Heavenly Father, which go out on our ways, we ask that it would touch those, oh Heavenly Father, who were chosen. We thank you, oh Heavenly Father, for so many things that, oh Heavenly Father, that, that have been facing us. We ask you, oh Heavenly Father, to just give us, oh Heavenly Father, the strength that we need to, oh Heavenly Father, finish the course that have been set before us. We ask you, Father, to strengthen our pastor. Give him the strength, Father, that, that, that he would continue, Father, to bring forth your word. We know, oh, Heavenly Father, that he is on the front line. So, oh, Heavenly Father, protect him, Father, from all forces. We ask this, Father, in our son Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We are climbing. Jacob's ladder We are climbing Jacob's ladder Oh, we are climbing
Let's give him the highest praise in spite of it. That's the one lesson that we learn from Job in spite of the conditions. He was able to, still able to say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though it's, it's hard to realize that he was rotten and alive and he had been preaching and teaching about this great healer, God being a great healer. But from the way it looked, it didn't look like it. And we're going to be, our angle of attack concerning our message today is going to be reminding us of that as well as we continue trying to connect with our ongoing series where our focus is First Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 11. You good? All right. This being the season, now let me say this before we get started, we want to make sure we keep all of our uh, seeking shut-in members in prayer. I know you've heard about our musician, her and her husband, they, they out today. They came down with COVID. And uh, so we want to keep everybody lifted up in prayer. We're still in this world. It's not a surprise. We, we are blessed. Uh, we, we learn as we continue growing old what the old folks meant when they said, Lord, thank you for another day closed in my right mind because there's nothing exempt in us from all types of attacks and that's why it's good to stay on our knees even when we are standing up still talking to the Lord this being the season in which we celebrate the birth of Jesus even though there is a disagreement as to this being the time of the year. But our focus today is still the hidden wisdom of God concerning salvation and it's being seen even in the subject concerning the birth or concerning the time of the year where we celebrate the birth. We will now be reminded of our ongoing series uh, the focus being the glory that should come. And looking in 1 Peter 1 and 11, two, two main points in that verse, and that is the suffering of Christ, which we all agree. Uh, I, I feel all Christians will agree that the suffering of Christ that is pointed to is Calvary. But the glory that should follow. Now, the glory that should follow if your subject is Christ, then the glory that should follow began with the resurrection from the dead and the ultimacy of that glory that should follow as it pertained to Christ. It's when he regained the status that he had before coming here, when he is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords when he's recognized again as in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, 
And then in verse 14 it says, the word was made flesh. So we, if the subject, context is very important how we apply different scripture references to make sure they fit in the same context of the message that we're trying to present. So we're talking about the glory that should follow as it pertained to Christ after his suffering. That's where we would go. But in our series so far, we have seen where the Old Testament prophets were talking about a glory that should follow that would come to God's people that's on this planet. Uh, when I say God's people that's on this planet, we go back to Ephesians, uh, uh, Ephesians 1 and 4 where it point to persons who were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And then we find through his, God's reasoning, Romans 8 and 20, we find that the creatures, because that's probably the only, the only other way you can describe who or what we were before the foundation of the world other than chosen in him. So the creatures that were in him based on God's reasoning, was made subject to vanity. In other words, brought low to this planet. Jesus serving our example in, in, in more than one way. When we look at Jesus, we get a shadow of what pertains to God's people. We were there, and now we're here. And it's all pointing back to God's reasoning. God's reasoning that Jesus came and died for us. God's reasoning, Romans 8 and 20, where we were made subject to vanity. So we are, <clears throat> that's our focus. The people who um, was made subject to vanity through God's reasoning and found ourselves on this planet, part of God's program, we are promised a glory after the suffering. Now, from a broad standpoint of view, the glory after the suffering would be heaven after being here, being saved and going back to heaven, being made like him. That's the ultimate of, our, of the glory that is in store for us. When we are changed to be like him and everything that comes as, as, as the results of being like him, ruling and reigning, all of the promises that we seen in the scripture. Uh, but the glory that we're pointing to now, it, that the scripture was pointing to, is a glory that would follow the suffering that after it took place on this planet. And the, thing, the, the one thing we want to uh, point out as it pertains to God's program, it's hard to see what God is saying from a natural way of looking at things. It's, it's one of the reasons why Christianity, being a Christian, have been, have been equated to one gain in sight. We, we, when we sang the song Amazing Grace, we say, I was blind, but now I see. That's pointing to spiritual things. So when we first come into, and I, and I want to just make a statement, not go in details. Last Sunday, we, I made a statement concerning, in the Bible, we have two descriptions of becoming one with God. One is adoption and one is born. And there is a difference, but it isn't a difference. I mean, it's, again, the spiritual things, the invisible things of him uh, from the creation, they are seen. 
but we got to know how to see them. And, and our eyes being open, or once was blind, but now I see, come as a result of how we began to view reality from a faith standpoint of view, from faith that come from the Bible. There's a difference in the faith that we are born with. We are all born with faith. But uh, the Bible, the, the faith that the Bible points to, it says that that faith comes. We're not born with it. It comes by the hearing of the word. In other words, and the word hearing points to more than with the ear, but more of the word understanding. The more God's word is rightly divided and made clear to us, the more we can begin seeing the evidence of God all the time. Because you know you can get caught up with hear, hearing so many things about God, like I just said a minute ago about Job. You hear so many things about God, you know, a healer and, and, and a protector and all these things we hear about God. And we'll get in that situation. From a natural standpoint of view, it didn't look like God was no healer when Job was laying there riding him. And the people who was viewing it from a natural standpoint of view is represented through Job's wife who said to Job, you ought to just curse God. If Job had said why, then the rep- I feel the reply would have been, because all this time you've been preaching about he's a healer. Where, where the evidence? So it, it's, a, it's a different way of viewing things. If we try to make judgments or decisions concerning spiritual things based on human logic, we're not going to be seeing it right. That's why God set up the system that is set up. So as we go on, we're going to try to show that this, this we, I said we were going to remind ourselves as we go forward, we're going to remind ourselves of what we, the other part of, of the series that comes after First Peter. And, the, and this is pointing to 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8, 2, 7 and 8. Uh, where in, in verse um, 7 it says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now, if you go to verse 6, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6, uh, it, it, tells, it says that we speak wisdom. The, 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 the Paul is saying, the, the called ones, the ones that God have given a ministry to, the ministry consists of wisdom or is made up of wisdom, but it's not the wisdom of the world. If you look at verse 6, let's look at, let's just turn there real quick. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, yeah, chapter 2, and, uh, and verse, verse 6, uh, let's see, that's 2 Corinthians. It'd be better if I go to First Corinthians. All right, First Corinthians chapter two, verse six says, "Howbeit, we speak wisdom." This is Paul talking, and he's talking concerning every person that have been given a gift ministry. It's not the person; it's the ministry that is, is the focus. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, this word perfect is the same as saved. Perfect spiritually. There are no perfect person as it pertains to the things we do and don't do and the way we think. 
We think wrong. We think evil. We, want, we think good for a minute. We think evil for a minute. Not that type of perfect. But the perfection that God gives us as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. He looks at us. He looked at us as if we have no sins because we are covered. The word atonement means cover. We are covered with the blood. And the scripture teach us that the life is in the blood. So we're covered with the blood of Jesus that make us be covered with the life of Jesus, which is the same thing as saying we in Christ and Christ in us. We are in, if some, if, if, you can't see what's on the inside. Our salvation is described as Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's one of the things that we, that we are taught from communion, that we being in Christ by faith, he in us by faith. So that's the perfection from God looking at it, but we are not perfect as it pertains to our everyday action. So it tells us here we are not speaking the wisdom of the world, uh, and nor are we speaking the, the wisdom of the princes of, of the prince of this world uh, that comes to know that prince of this world is where we had gone here in uh, chapter seven and verse uh, chapter seven and, and verse I mean chapter two verse seven and eight uh, it said but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God, this, this wisdom that God put together that would save us or cause a sinner who deserves to go to hell and be in the lake of fire forever, God put a plan together before the foundation of the world that would not only save us from the lake of fire, but enable us to be changed, to be like Jesus, and part of that glory that, that was to follow the suffering as it pertained to the believer is new life. That's to be a, a rejected sinner, already sentenced to hell, and then all of a sudden you're recognized by God as one of his children. If that's not glory, I don't, I don't know of anything that could be more greater. When we look for the glory to follow, we got to not start with ruling and reigning over a galaxy or a planet or whatever. It starts like everything else in the Bible, from the small up. It starts, our new life starts with a seed. The word is equated with, to the seed and the seed planting in us. The word, the seed, Christ in us is our hope of this glory starting with the new birth. So the pattern is there. That's one of the reasons why we are told, even as Christians, we are to be humble. We, st we don't come in trying to be seen or trying to shine or trying to be better than, than anybody else, but we come in on our knees, humble, and he exalts us. The, whole, the same pattern, the one way you can know that you are hearing God's word wherever you choose to sit, is that throughout the scripture you'll see the same message. It's the same God, the same message to his people. So as we go on, verse 8 says, which none of the princes of this world knew, 
For had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of hosts. So that points to the crucifixion as the suffering. Not only that, but we pointed out princes of this world it to be seen two ways. Uh, if we look at the word prince, we're pointing to persons in authority that has authority over others, like a president or a king or whatever. That's earthly princes. But there are evil spiritual beings who are princes of this world that is part of Satan's program. The same Bible that tell us about Jesus tell us about Satan. So if we're going to believe what it says about Jesus, we've got to believe what it says about Satan. We have an enemy. The enemy, we are his enemy because of who we are attached to. Because he's the enemy of God. He, want, he wanted to, and still want to overthrow God's kingdom. He want to throw God off the throne. And, and everybody who is on God's side is an enemy of his. And that's, we're going to bring that, we're going to let the scripture bring us to even modern day events, uh, uh, pointing to these same truths. And as we see, see these things, it, it's, it serves as evidence or a reminder to us that what this Bible says is true. And, it's, and what it says is going to happen, it's going to happen, which is for the purpose of motivating us to tighten up more. As the old folks used to say, get your house in order. You don't never know when that time, that last moment is coming. Uh, sometimes we say, well, I'm, I got a time because I'm young. Well, young folks die too. After death, judgment. So if we are going to choose to believe this book, we got to hear what it's saying. And the more we hear, as the more we hear, the more we will be able to see the reality. It won't just be saying, well, that preacher said, that preacher said, we get to a point where we begin seeing the same thing as being revealed to the messenger. Now, no, keep in mind, God set it up. The way he set up his church, he put a messenger that he would give the message to. And the messenger were to give the message to the rest of the people. Now, that started way back in the Old Testament in the shadow form. God did not come and stand on the mountain and talk to the nation of Israel. He called Moses and told Moses, you go tell them. He could have did it, but he, being God, he can do what he want to do. So he chose the system wherein he would choose one to tell others. That's the same system that we follow in the New Testament. Now, it's the job of the enemy to try to go against even that system, to try to bring in voting, the majority win or the majority rules. That's not God's system. Nowhere in the Bible do you see where God had Israel to take a vote on anything. He told them what he wanted them to know. He did it or you didn't. But because of our our falling away from God's word, each generation. We know less about God. And the only thing we know about is the world we live in. Well, the vote count. Not going against vote. That's the system of the world. But we're talking about God's system to get us out of this world, back to where the Bible point to 
where we came from. So to try to bring the world system in, it's going to create problems. It might not look like it. It may look like the church is successful and, and is growing and, and owning stuff and all of that. That's good from an earthly standpoint of view. But if we are not following in the footsteps of our leader, we are going the wrong way. It's simple as that. You know, and I, like I always say, you know, in order to preach God's word, it makes the preacher feel as if hurt people feel that he's campaigning. You know, this kind of talk is like he just want everybody to do what he say. You know, I, I, hey, I've said that. I've done that. I've said it. I, I, I've said when I first joined Piney Grove, Reverend John would be saying things. I'd be sitting back there mumbling. The old man, I'll be shaming himself. He knows he just wants somebody to. Until God opened our eyes, we got to make ourselves available. How is He going to open our eyes? We continue hearing what is being said. Don't stop there. You got a Bible. You can look, and you can, and it's made plain. And you say, "Oh, so you're not following what the preachers say." Your faith is in what you see. So let's keep going here. When we get into, as we try to connect this time of the year concerning their birth with the series, concerning the glory that should follow. The first verse we're going to look at is the first place where it is mentioned concerning the birth of Jesus. And... Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Now, in, in the context of the scripture, God is talking to Satan. After the sin had been committed, and God had come into the God, and he's talking to each one of, us, each one of them individually. He's talked to Adam, he talked to Eve, talked to Satan. He's talking to Satan right here. And he said to Satan, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Well, one, one woman in the garden, that was Eve. And then he said, between thy seed, he's talking to Satan, between thy seed, Satan, and her seed. So what do we see right there? Two seeds coming from two different sources. Both would be living beings on this planet. If you don't see that, you, you show me your Bible. And if it ain't in your Bible, you need to get another one. So here we talk. Now, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to show the, the seriousness because we hear a lot of preaching that deals with God paying your bills and God buying your car and God making you successful and God making everything all right in your life and solving all your problems. I don't see that. That, that, what the main focus that we're pointing to now is suffering first. And in spite of our suffering, we still believe who he said he is. We still believe it. If you don't solve no problems, if we get set outside, if we lose our job, we can't allow that to curse God and walk away. That's the point. The point of the ministry is not this ministry, but the ministry of the Bible is to cause us to hang on to our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of it. And we are to be ready for all types of trials and tribulations in this life. I mean, that are, as, as uh, might be a bad reference to make when you're preaching, but 
as Michael Jackson said, things that will rock your world. <laughs> and there are some things that, believe me, will rock your world. And, and Satan said, where is God? I thought you said he, he was a burden bearer. Why? I thought you said he was a company keeper. I thought, where is it? You ought to just you walk up. You've been going to church giving all your money. Ain't doing you no good. See, we, this thing is real. It's not a campaign to get people. It's, 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 we all have been contacted by God. The scripture that was read this morning, John 6, 44, Jesus said, no man can come to me except he's drawn by the Father that sent me. So we were drawn through God's reason in whatever way he chose to draw us to Christ, not drawn to this church, but somewhere we began coming to church. And it wasn't on our own. It was part, it's to serve, as we continue studying, it serves as evidence that we were one of the ones that was chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That's why he's drawing us. That's why we got to see the reality. We got to see reasons to say in spite of. I'm still going to say bless his name. It don't matter what happened to me. That's, that's what it's about because we're in a spiritual warfare. So the first thing I want you to see is two seeds that's going to produce two manner of persons. And their roots is two different places. The seed of the woman, notice what it says. It says, and between thy seed, Satan, and her seed, according to Eve. Still talking about Eve, the word it. It is the same as her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Now, now notice, it's very important that we see this next point. Who started that hatred? Who started it? God said, I will put. See, again, I won't go there. Let's look at something to try to explain. We're going to look at the, a, a definition given for the word enmity from the Hebrew language. Now, I remember some probably 40-some years ago where it was very popular. Again, I, cologne and perfume and stuff like that, it, it started, you start hearing me sniffing because it, it, it attacks me. So I started to preach in a mass today. Uh, but that's, if you, if you get to a point where you can't stand it, let me know. You don't even have to write your name on the paper. Just send a letter or call the church and make a message. And I'll, I'll step out the way. I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm not playing. I try to be serious when it comes out of God's Word. Now, and I can't point to nothing else because and part of the seriousness is fright. I'm afraid... When you say the word God, that's not just a word. I'll be looking at these space, deep space pictures that the satellites that's traveling, they send back. They sent one a couple of weeks ago. I was looking at one. Even uh, the constellation Aquarius, way, that thing been traveling for years, and they sent a picture back of the heavens. And it just happened to be on the constellation Aquarius, 
It caught my attention because what is Aquarius? The water pool. I will pull my water out. The word is equated to water. A reminder of what is happening, in my opinion, because the Bible says, Psalm 19 and 1, the heavens, the heavens is not declaring astronomers. The heavens is not declaring what type of person you'll be if you're born in a certain month. But Psalms 19 said, the heavens declare the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus. So the heavens is testifying again this time of the year. What's the one thing we point to this time of the year? A star. What was it declaring? Jesus, the one that set the promised one, the seed. As we continue hearing God's word and look at reality from a spiritual standpoint of view, we begin seeing there's no way that all these things could be coincidence. They fall dead in line. And we can see intelligence that arranged it, which is what Romans 1 and 20 says, that the invisible things of him, the invisible things of him from the creation are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. They're clearly seen when we know how to look at them. And the only way we're going to know how to look at them is be taught from here. That's the point. So we don't become faithful because we like the preacher or we like the church, or the good people, we, come, we are faithful to God's program because we see the evidence that is true. And we see the evidence that we are part of it. And that's why we are faithful. It's not win souls or favoritism or get a vote. It ain't got nothing to do with it. I had started talking about the definition of enmity. You see it, hostility, enmity, and hatred. Now, I want to say this. I was about to say concerning about 40 years ago, it was really popular among us preachers, and I was just becoming a preacher back then in that time. Um, to talk about the Greek says this. Every time we preach, well, the Greek says this and the Greek says that. Well, what does that do? It caused the speaker to look as if he's educated. I get up here to talk about what well, a Hebrew says, and I don't even know English. I'm trying to show the enemy attack in every way. Humbleness, yes, it's there for us to use. But we have to be aware of how the enemy will try to even use that to contaminate the message. Now, here's what I want to point to. The enmity... The Hebrew definition, if you've got a strong concordance, that's what I use. The, the, there are different, the word hatred is used through the scripture in different settings. Sometimes different meanings are given to the words. The definitions that we come up with does not determine the accuracy of the message. In other words, if I had looked up the word enmity, even without looking it up, we see enemy in that word without even looking it up. Just, just common sense, enmity between, and then look at what the enmity is going to cause, a fight where one get hurt and the other can get killed. We know that ain't love. 
if I had looked up the word enmity and it pointed to something different than what the rest of the verse is saying. See, even though the definition of a word may be different from what we expect, but what determines the truth is the scripture itself. In other words, the scripture testifies to itself. God don't need no outside nothing to help get his message over. There's nothing wrong with using what he has made available, but we got to know how to use it. If we don't, it will say and will cause, listen, let's go back to Peter. When Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you read that verse. I was intending to write it down. Where you, uh, I, I get, we had it other Sunday. But what he said to Peter, he said to Peter, you are, you are an offense to me. I mean, here's a guy, there was no doubt that Peter was a chosen one. Jesus chose him. Come on, Peter. And Peter was following him, sincere as he could be. See, being sincere doesn't exempt us from the attack of the enemy. Being careful doesn't exempt us. But being careful is the best we can do. Well, the spiritual wall of a literal wall, being careful, you don't want to be on the battlefield and just, just walking around just singing on the, in the battlefield. You're going to be careful. You look for the enemy. Watch it. Does anybody mess with the ground, put a mine or something? You watch it. You watch your step. It's just, we're in a spiritual warfare. So we have to be, it's not a matter of pointing to a right and a wrong, but it is a matter of being spiritually correct based on what God set up. But what, another thing Satan will bring in is our personal feeling. Like he said, what was Peter doing? The reason why Peter, the reason why Jesus told Peter to get behind me because Jesus had told the disciples, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be crucified. Peter, loving Jesus, or Peter, a good friend of Jesus, or we could say running partner because he had chosen them. They went, so we friends. So when we get friends, we say, well, I don't expect you to say something to me like that. And we friends, and you say that. When you come down to God's word, nothing. Family, friends, mother, father, nothing get in between what God is saying to his people. And that's why when Peter said to Jesus, if that's the case, Jesus, don't go to the cross. He said, be it far from thee, Lord. And Peter turned, Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because the, in the hidden wisdom of God concerning our salvation was from death to life. We would be saved through him dying. That's not human logic. How, do we, how are we saved in the, in the physical world? If, if I need help, I say, come save me. And I see you come across the hill, boy, and I get happy, boy, especially if I see you got a rifle or a gun. They're going to save me. And then you run up to me and stand there and then shoot yourself in the head. I'm saying, how in the world are you going to save me? And you let yourself get killed. See, the enemy, if, it, if, what we say, if, the, if the princes of this world had known, 
if they had known the princes, the evil rulers, Satan, if he had known that our salvation, see, our being fallen, from the looks of it, Satan had got a victory because it happened in the garden through Satan persuading Eve. But actually, it was part of God's hidden wisdom. It was part of God's, we'll get there as we continue to go. So the rulers of this world that we get into now that is represented by those beings, that represent those beings in Daniel chapter 7, those four creatures, a lion with wings, a bear with three ribs in his mouth, a, lion, uh, a, a leopard with, four, with uh, four heads, and supposed to be six wings, I didn't do but four, and uh, a beast that you can't compare to something. These represent empires. You studied Daniel chapter 7. These four beasts represent the same empires that you see in Daniel chapter 2 concerning the statue of the head made of gold, the arms and breasts of silver, the belly and size of iron and uh, of, uh, of brass and the legs of iron. Babylon, gold, Medo-Persia, silver. And when you look at history, this is the way these empires were set up. Now this was written before time. So whoever writing it was getting his information from somebody who knew the future. That's, that's the point we've got to see about the Bible. God tells us things. He writes the, the future in advance, just like he's telling us where this world is going and what's going to happen one day. What's going to make us believe that? When we look at his record, what do you have said have happened? When you start seeing it, that makes you look at the things a little bit harder and it we tighten up. We say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm beginning to be convinced that this book is right. There is a lake of fire. And you can fall from grace by losing your faith and burn forever. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to start trying to do what the Bible said. The Bible tells us that the way we live and the way we think, we've got to be careful because it will lead us away from God. That's why we strive to live a different way. It's not that Christians don't enjoy the same thing as everybody else. I mean, we didn't stop partying because we don't because we fell out with it. Maybe you did. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't if we if we stopped because we fell out with it, it wouldn't be so hard to stay away. Why is it that we are Christians and every chance we get, we're gonna look around and see that we're gonna ain't nobody gonna go to this party or nothing. Because we, that flesh still hunger for that stuff. But the new life calls us to say, well, you better fight it because it can trip you up. That's what it is. It's not a campaign speech to get members in a church. The devil will tell you, well, that preacher won't do it. He just wants you to come to church and bring all his money. That's why I be saying, if you ever think that wherever you go, starting here, don't come no more. Because you're a fool to sit under somebody and you know all they want is your money. So we have to be as sure as we can be concerning where we choose to sit. It's not a campaign. Nobody votes. So here we pointing from the word imitated to these four beasts because it started 
in the garden, the, the hatred started in the Garden of Eden. The same hatred that we are experiencing today, especially as it pertains to the nations. A certain people that can nobody argue the point that the Jews have an attachment to God. Not if, not, not if they're looking in this book. Everybody who got any kind of attachment to God, there's hatred against us. These beasts represent supernatural, not hatred of everybody on, on the planet. There are some people who don't like it because you're a Christian, or there are some people who don't like us because we refuse to do something we once did. You know, we may have ran together for years, and all of a sudden God touched us, and we start trying to back up, and the people who we ran with say, oh, they don't know what to have them. They think, they say, I don't want to be around there. They just... They don't understand until it happened to them. But it can't happen until God chooses. No one can come to Christ except they're drawn by the Father. That's what we got to understand. So we, I want you, what I put in these, what represent these princes of the world, spiritual, because in the book of Daniel, we went through that, that they try to control the mind of earthly princes. Satan and his henchmen try to persuade the mind of the earthly rulers. That's, that's part of the warfare. The spiritual warfare is not limited to church. The spiritual warfare is this planet. That's why when Jesus comes back, he's going to destroy it and bring in a new heaven and a new earth. So the thing is bigger than going to church and not drinking a beer. It's bigger than that. And we won't know it until we accept what the Bible says. So we pointed to the word enmity started in the Garden of Eden. The same what we now call anti-Semitism. It's not limited to that word, but that's part of it. So why people hate the Jews so? I mean, why is it all down through history, nations trying to wipe them out? Over, just wipe them out. The whole, the, it starts with Egypt. Seven nations, seven empires, I said that way. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Starting with Egypt. Trying to wipe out a people. Why? Because there's a, without a doubt, there's an attachment. I'm not saying that everything the Jews does is right. I'm not saying everything Christian does is right. But we see an attachment of God to us from the Scripture. What are we saying? We, none can come to Christ except he's drawn. We are claiming that we got an attachment with God. That God himself drew us to Christ. That's why we're Christians. That's, what, that's, that's part into a claim. We might not look at it that way until we start seeing the reality of the scripture. By the same token, the one that was chosen, the seed that's talked about in Genesis 3.15, that's Jesus. The seed of the woman. Because a woman don't have seed. God put it in the category of producing kids. A woman don't have a seed. The seed has to come from the man. 
what was being said is there would be a child born on this planet and would not have any connection to man. He would be the son of God. Virgin birth. It's supernatural stuff that the Bible claims. And so God is saying there would always be an attempt and eventually his seed, which is Satan's seed, will look like he don't want it. If you're walking in the yard and a snake come up and bite you on the heel, especially we know he's pausing. Pow! He said, oh Lord, what am I going to do? The serpent would strike God's son on the heel. That's Earthly speaking, you out. That's why he had to die. But the glory as it pertained to Jesus was resurrection. And, and then I see, in my opinion, when I think I see, why did God put the way he wrote the verse? He said, between, uh, enmity between thy seed and her seed, and then he said, he said, uh, he said, her seed, it, which is Jesus, uh, uh, the woman's seed, Jesus shall, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Why did he put it backwards? Why did, I don't know. I'm just saying, when we study and we run across some things, and we, it ain't nothing to ask questions, but don't lean on it. I said to myself, well, that was, was that a strategy? Was God setting Satan up to make him think that if, at the time that he, Satan, get a chance to bruise the heel of the, of the seed of the woman, that the seed of the woman will have already shot his best shot? Uh, you probably, uh, I feel like you don't hear what I'm saying, but you think about it as you keep going, because we know this backwards. Calvary, the bruiser on the heel came first. Jesus bruising the head of the serpent is yet to come. Well, to think, to make the serpent think, based on God's word, I got him. Well, I want him right now. I got him. I, again, if the princes of this world had known, I'm going to let that go. Just follow the pattern that's there. I, we are to see God's word the way he said it. That's all I'm, the job of the preacher Second Timothy 2.15 is to rightly divide the word, put it together, present it. You study it. If you see it, and you keep studying, you keep seeing, you go by what you see, not what I say. Now, let's keep going before we get out of here. Uh, so after reminding ourselves, and we pointed to the example of the enmity that would follow. Now, this... This last one here, this one, that represents the Roman Empire. Still in effect. It will be in effect until Jesus comes back, even though it failed. There's a revived Rome that is steady being set up. We know that. That's history, not, not scripture. Just check it out in your encyclopedias or online or whatever, TikTok or whatever, all of them. See what it says. Roman Empire. That's what we get to Humpty Dumpty, sit on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. 
All the king horses and all the king men couldn't put it back together again, not like it was, but they come up with a revived version. That's part of the ten toes. We'll get there. It's part of the ten horns. We've been there. The ten horns on his head and the ten toes on the feet of the statue. Ten nations that will come into a confederacy inside the same a geographical area of the old Roman Empire, and they will be a confederacy just like we got NATO and nations together. That's, that's what the Bible said going to happen. So we start seeing these things in the news, different things. Might, no, no, ain't no big thing. Somebody said, well, says that thing. So, oh, yeah. If you study God's word, what they say? Could this be part of what God is telling us to watch out for? And Jesus said, when you see certain things start happening, look up for your redemption doors. Now, he said it. I didn't. So here's what we have. After seeing the enmity, we're going to go to our next verse. Going, moving fast. Going back to a verse we had. If the princes, the princes of this world is, according to my chart, the princes of this world is represented through those beasts. The princes of this world. Not the earthly princes. The princes of this world that we appoint to when Jesus came was Herod. He was sitting on a throne and he was, excuse me, labeled king of the Jews. He was an earthly man. But he was being energized by the one who was instigating crucifying. If the one up there had known the strategy, See, the world's strategy, if you kill that joker, then Gus Harris ain't got a chance. You get rid of Jesus, then all them sinners down there, they just lost forever. But God's strategy was not the world's strategy. So when, as the scriptures say, if the princes of this world had known, they would have protested. Anybody said anything about throwing a rocket at Jesus, they'd have put him in jail. Don't you mess with him. Mess around there and kill him. He's going to save all them sinners. That's what we got to see, the strategy between the two, starting in the Garden of Eden, her seed, Jesus, and his seed, the serpent seed, the offsprings, the princes of this world. I hope you follow me. Uh, follow me. Uh, let's, let's see, can we go just a little bit further? That's, uh, so, uh, that's two and eight. So, we see this same hatred in the one in authority in the days of Jesus' birth. The same hatred that is pointed to in Genesis 3.15. That's pointing to, it's going to get to a point where a fight is going to occur. And one, the woman's seed is going to be bruised on the heel. But the serpent's seed will be bruised on the head. So we did come to that day. The one who was on the throne when Jesus was born. This, this scripture is pointing to the wise men had come and they were looking, trying to find out where was Jesus. And Herod pretend he wanted to know too because he said, well, y'all find him, tell me I, well, I can worship him too. Look what the scripture says. The scripture says, and when they were departed, the wise men, when they left Herod, going looking to where Jesus was. Because by the time that the wise man got to Jesus, he was around, estimated around three years old. Again, 
the story that is presented from the world versus the story from God's Word is totally different. Even the time period. But since everybody's attention is on this time of the year as pertaining to the Savior being born, we will still, while everybody's attention is there, we try to take the real truth and show what actually happened. So here we have, uh, it says, and when they, uh, the wise men departed, were departed, behold, the angel, now they are departing here, is from, they have found Jesus, and they brought the, the gifts and presented it. And they get ready to leave Mary and Joseph's house. And the angel intercept them. And this verse is pointing to that. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word that Herod uh, uh, bring the word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Well, we go. Let's go back to Egypt. What was the order when Moses was in down at, when Israel was in Egypt? What was the order? Pharaoh said, "Kill all the boy babies." Why? Now, what thing Pharaoh enjoyed was slaves. He put, he put Israel in slavery. Well, how are you going to have some more babies? Kill all the boy babies. It's pointing to the attempt, starting in the Garden of Eden, that hatred. You would see it if, if God's word is right. You would see the evidence down through time. All the way down over five, six hundred years later, we find the king, Herod, Still trying to find that, because he asked his wise men and said, y'all heard of uh, baby or something supposed to be born? They said, yeah, we heard about it. I said, well, well, what time is, and they check it out. They said, well, we, we, we don't know when he was born. Herod, the Bible said the reason Herod was interested, Herod being a prince of this world, he was labeled king of the Jews, even though he was not a Jew. We get into that again later. You remember Paul made the statement that everyone who said he are Jews are not Jews. See, the, the, God's word is deeper than the surface. It's not saying everyone who said that they are Jews and have Jewish parents. It's not saying all of them. It's not saying that, that, that all of, that, that makes you a Jew. Not, not the way the Bible is pointing to the word Jew. We have to hear what the Bible is saying. You can accept what you want to accept in the world. But to have faith that will get us back, we got to hear and accept what God says about whatever he put in the book. Some people say it. I was told when I first started preaching, a preacher came up to me and told me, said, all that stuff you're preaching, that, you ain't supposed to preach all that. You ain't supposed to preach all that. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, you give me your Bible, and you mark out everything in there I ain't supposed to preach, and I'll tear it out. Because all of it is on the same subject once it's rightly divided. 
Satan have caused us to think that you don't need a preacher. God can talk to me if I'm sincere and I pray every night. That's good. But that's not the way preachers are made. The Bible says he draws, he, he assigns. He, he didn't pick out the whole nation of Israel. He picked out 11 men. Say, you go. Somebody should have said, hey, I got better, I got better credentials than, than Saul of Tasha's. The one we know as Paul, he was the enemy of the church. He locked up Christians. The first martyr in the Bible was Stephen's, or a deacon. And he was stoned to death. And the one who we know was Paul, his name had not been changed. He was Saul of Tasha's at that time. He was holding the coat. He instigated, he said, get you a big rock. And I'll hold your coat where you can hit that joker. <laughs> And then God chose him. But when we look at Galatians, remember? None can come unless they're drawn by the Father. When we look at the description of Paul's birth, it says that God separated Paul from his mother's womb. That means Paul was a chosen one before he got on the planet. And he got into a lot of ungodly things just like us. I mean, we're surprised. I am. We're surprised the thing we was in at a young age, 18, 19, 20, especially the 20s. You probably would have got life sentence if you had went to a coat and said, Gus Harris is going to be a preacher. He probably put you in jail and throw away the key. What I was involved in and what you was involved in. God separated us from our mother's womb for these moments. We were chosen to be in his program. Again, none can come except they're drawn by the Father. But it don't mean everybody come and do what you want to do. He got a system set up. He said, let all things be done decently and in order. And the order that is set up, if you go to a church and you believe that that pastor has been called by God to preach and he has set up an order we ought to follow that order. We're not going there with our own. Well, I think it ought to be. I think, well, who asks you? We're talking about God's system. I had, hey, I had to, look, there are people in here we've been together for since the 70s. We was in the choir together at Piney Grove. When I first started a Bible class, Some, there are people in here who were there. We know. We even, on a system where you, each auxiliary had to raise money, at the end of the year you turn your money into the church. You ask some of them how we used to raise money. In the name of Jesus. Blind. Thinking we were doing right. Throw party, look. I was a DJ. Had my little old box, my little Sansui. My big speakers and and, and had they went down to Greenburg, Georgia, to that chicken plant it used to be down there. I don't know whether it's down or not. Bought cases of chickens and we could sell chicken dinners and raise money. I throw a big part out there, Garden Road. It used to be Garden Road, big part out there, boy, and serving Kool Aid. In the name of Jesus. Because we were thinking we were supposed to raise money for the church. Yeah, that's all right, as long as you're doing it for the church. If God hadn't had mercy. 
shoes. I'm telling you. So we look, we have the example of that in Paul. That juggle was, he, he did what God did touch him. He, still, he was just like Jacob. He still tried to fight back. God said it's hard to kick against the prick. In other words, you've been chosen to plow. And the old plow had a thing on it called a, a prick. It was a sharp point that was put on the plow. So when the mule didn't want to go forward, maybe he didn't hit a big rock. He didn't want to pull it out. He going to kick against going forward. When he kicked back, his feet going to hit that sharp point. It's going to hurt him. He's going to have to go forward. So God told Paul, see, it's hard to keep against the prick. You've been chosen to plow. That's what you're going to do. Even if you die and go to hell, I have chosen you to do that. God have chosen every one of us. None, John 6, 44, read it again. Jesus said, none can come to me except the Father that sent me draw him. He have chosen us to be faithful Christians somewhere. Not at Rephidim, but in his program somewhere we are chosen. And we can kick all we want to. But he'll burn us just like it burned. Folks ain't never been to church. We got to see this thing is real. Let's go forward. So we see what was happening here. Now what we're going to do real fast. Let's see what's happening. You know what? To show you I'm serious about timing. I had a sister that we were going to start today that we've never done at this church since we've been a church 31 years. I had gotten in contact with a musician and I told her, because you know I put a light back there. They done took the light down. They weren't doing no good. Somebody took my light down. I'll tell you the truth. I had to put a light back there on the wall and I told them at 10 minutes to 12, make that light blank. That was a long time ago. That'd be years ago. And I, I didn't even know we're going to. I just looked. Somebody they just took it down. Cause I never looked back there anyway. They blanked that light out and see it. My mind be gone. My mind just, it takes off. When I get into scripture, I, I really, God knows I can't control. I don't have to be in the pulpit. Ask anybody who get into a conversation with me anywhere. I can't hardly stop because, I, well, anyway. I had told a musician, I said, at no, 10 or no later than 5 minutes to 12, I want you to move to the piano and at 12 o'clock start playing soft music. That's supposed to be started today because I'm still trying to control. I, 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 I talk to the cows come home. We're just talking about the scripture. Well. I can't help it. God knows if I'm lying. And we used to say, if I'm lying, I'm flying, and I'm standing here. So I said that to her. Now, she's not here. It, am I to take that God don't want me to do that? <laughs> we could justify anything. Am I to say God want me to stand up to 12, 30, quarter to 1? No, it's not that. But we're working on it. I'm still working on it because there's so much in the scripture to be said and I feel like we don't have a whole lot of time well let's go to our next scripture we're going to, to get to lead us toward um, I don't want to go there I just, I just put it up here's this scripture I'm coming to now I've been trying to 
I've been focusing on the mistakes that the princes of this world made. I'm talking about the evil forces of Satan. Pointed to in the book of Daniel as the princes, the prince of Persia, prince of Grecia. They're shown through the these the creatures of, of Daniel chapter 7. If they had known, they made a mistake. What mistake did they make? They crucified Christ. You, you should be able to see that. Now what I'm trying to show is that's not limited to the evil powers. If we don't know the wisdom of God, if we try to operate God's program through earthly wisdom and not through the way God teaches us to do it, if we get to a point where because this is my friend or because this is my daughter or son or because I've been knowing these people a long time so I can't say nothing because it might hurt their feelings. Let's go back to Jesus again and Peter. He turned to, G- turned to Peter and said, get behind me because your thinking is earthly. You're telling me not to go to the cross? See the mistake? If Jesus had taken Peter's advice, don't go to the cross. Where would Peter be today? Burning. So being ignorant of God's system and trying to operate based on the way we see things will equal the same thing as the princes of this world who thought they was going to win by getting rid of that enemy, Jesus, and putting him on the cross. Then they find out, doggone it. It was too late then. We got to take that same advice. That's why I say if you don't have confidence in who you sit under, don't sit there. Find somebody who you believe is showing you God's word. Hey, it affects me before it gets you. I got to study it. I'll be already beat up when I get here. Talk about getting whooped, whooped, whooped. So well, you, talk, you must have been talking about me. Hey, look, I, when I come into church, I'm hopping, and it ain't all old age. Because <laughs> some of these things, God be showing, I'll be saying, Lord, all you can say is, Lord, have mercy. Wow. I, I didn't mean no harm. I thought I was right out of me, no harm. <clears throat> we have to go by what God's word is saying. So what we are pointing to now these statements, Zacharias was John the Baptist's father. Same message being repeated now that God began showing us through Abraham and Sarah years earlier, thousands, at least a thousand years earlier. God said to Abraham that he and Sarah were going to have a son. They both was, oh. As a matter of fact, when God said it, it sounded so ridiculous. The Bible said, it fell on their face laughing. You know what I'm saying? Somebody said, Gus Harris, you're going to win the fitness contest. 
I'm thinking you're going to make me young again. I mean, the hip hurting, I'm taking Tylenol, trying to keep the hip, well, I can keep walking on a cane. It's funny. God said to a old man, Abraham and Sarah, you don't have a child. They laughed. Didn't believe it. Sarah even said, well, maybe God wasn't talking about me. Sarah was at least 90, and Abraham was 100. So Sarah came up with this brilliant idea. Told Abraham, said, I'm t- I'm a- baby God, what I'm talking about me, I'm old. We got a handmaiden. They estimate she was around in her 20s, 25, 26. I can imagine Abraham said, I'm a Christian. Hey, hey, hey. I bet that joke was said, I'm a Christian. <laughs> That's in the Bible. Now, old man Zacharias, he was a priest. It's in the New Testament time, coming up to the birth of John. This is John the Baptist's father. And he went to the temple to perform his course, his priestly course. That would happen twice a year for the priest. They would go in and take care of in the holy place where the lampstand, all it was, take care of things. And while he was there, the angel Gabriel showed up and told him, say, you and Elizabeth is going to have a child. Now you read it. I'm not going through detail. You can read it. And his reply indicated he doubted. And the angel gave her, he said, how am I going to know? In other words, like he didn't know how he produced children. <laughs> how am I going to know? angel said, from this moment forward, you ain't going to even be able to speak. And when the child is born, you'll be able to speak. So you'll know the end. After all, nine months, you can't say nothing. But when the child says, yeah, then you could talk again. That's proof. In other words, what God says or what God shows us sometimes sound ridiculous. Ain't no way that's God until we get to know God. And then we'll find that he's past finding out. You can't say God wouldn't do this or God wouldn't do that. It depends on his will. That's, that's the point. So, okay, remember the princes of this world, supernatural beings. They made a mistake because they didn't know the wisdom that God would use toward our salvation, which would be just the opposite, wherein he would die. But just like the, if you think about it, what the old story while growing up they used to have on the radio, Uncle Remus used to tell the old stories on, on the radio, one of the TVs. If they was, I didn't know nothing about it back then little boy in Troy. And one of the uh, stories that we all knew about was Bro Rabbit and the Tar Baby. And what happened there? What did Bro Rabbit do? When the Bowden caught him, you know, Bro Rabbit, he, he trying to beat the Tar Baby, he gets stuck. And Bro Bowden come up there and said, got your knife. That's what the princes of the powers of, the princes and powers of this world were thinking. Got your knife. Got you on the cross. Just a matter of time, you did, buddy. Bro Rabbit said, 
to Bro Bell. I said, Bro Bell, said, I know you got me. He said, well, let me say this to you. You can do anything you want to to me, anything you want to do to me. But just one thing, please don't do. Don't throw me in the bra patch. That's why the joker was born. <laughs> Brother Bell said, I got him. I'm going to throw him in the bra patch because he don't want to go there. The strategy, the reverse strategy, the way the world thinks is kill that joker and he can't nobody be saved. But God used a reverse strategy. Now here we're going to see leading up to that. When Zacharias began talking again, he began to prophesy. Notice something. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, that we should be, what we? This is the southern kingdom now. The ten tribes, a whole law, the divorced wife had been gone. They weren't, they weren't in Jerusalem. This is who we call the Jews. Look at this and look at the headlines. The Jews. Zechariah said, the Savior, we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Now that can sound like a double reference. The enemies and the one that hate us, same thing. He didn't have to say, save from our enemies and the one that hate us. Because he just says, save from our enemies. It's obvious that the enemies hate you. It's obvious. Unless he was talking about two different objects there. The enemy, which is Satan, the powers and principalities of the air, and the ones that hated them, earthly beings, that's been persuaded by the prince and the powers of the air. Somebody give me one reason for what we call anti-Semitism. One reason. Somewhere in history. Why is it that the Jews are hated? Look at you don't think that could happen? You think it was a natural thing for Hitler to do what he did? He was persuaded. Herod want to kill Jesus. Why? He was persuaded. See, we think that church in the Bible is only talking about paying your bills. When you start seeing what seems supernatural to be a reality, and I could get there. I could. We'll get there. If it's God's will, we'll get there. Where this hatred will not cease until Jesus come back and do that on the serpent's head. The evidence that God is presenting not to the world, but to those who have been called out of the world to put their attention on his book. And we start saying, how could it be so accurate? Well, let's go on, because we've got to go to communion. We'll go as we continue. Not knowing the wisdom of God, but trying to do God's work. Because I 
I'm sincere. In the Bible said to be, to be, to want to be a bishop, but then in that context of Timothy, it's the same as a deacon, but it also a minister. If you desire the office of a bishop, you desire a good thing. If you desire, I want to be a preacher, that's a good thing. But until God have convinced that what you got, you didn't get it. It was given to you. That's when you step out. Don't, because I feel good. I don't drink. Never cursed. Only been married one time, you know, all that. So I'm going to be a preacher. That don't qualify us to be able to see what God is saying. It doesn't. Look, God showed that when he made a donkey preach. A donkey. Let's use the word that the Bible uses. Don't use the word donkey. If God can make that preach, he can call who he want to call, but we got to make sure. We got, what did, what did Paul tell Timothy? Study to show thyself approved unto God. You got to convince him that you believe that he put your attention in that book. He start making things happen. You don't, you, hey, we can't do jack. He makes it happen. We all can witness to that. And I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about just referendum. Leave me out. We all can testify. We, don't, we look around and say, how in the world? From where we've come from? Shoot. Now, these are the times when I would like to use a, a little street language. I'm telling you. John the Baptist. Not having a right understanding of what his daddy had said. The Holy Spirit told his daddy. A circumstance is John in jail. They finna cut John's head off. His daddy talking about when the deliverer come, he gonna save us from our enemy and from all that hate us. And John the Baptist, he, they, they finna cut his head off. And being a natural man, even though he was called, he was prophesied in the, the book of Malachi. The Bible said that he would send somebody in front of Jesus to cut, pave the way for Jesus. And that was John the Baptist, proven. But circumstances hit him. And what did he do? He sent a mess. He sent, called a chairman of the deacon board. Hey, get a couple of deacons. I hear Jesus down there preaching and carrying on. And I'm in here to get my head cut off because I stood up for him. Go down there and ask him, is he the one? That's the beginning of doubt. Circumstances, if we think that God is deaf to be our genie, he's just going to solve our problems. Just tell him what you want. And it don't happen. You're going to say, well, wait a minute. I've been serving God all this time. And shoot. I know full though you serve God, better shape I am. Joe's wife, curse God and die. I wouldn't keep hanging on to a God. He got the power. He can do everything you want to do, and he let you go through what you go through. Our faith got to be built on a solid foundation. Our faith is built on what this says, not what the things that we call good. You don't have to be a Christian to experience what we call good things. That's the trick of the devil. So he, he said that Jesus said, is he, go ask him, is he the one? 
Or should we look for somebody else? Don't look like he's no savior. I'm going to get my head cut off. Why did God put these things in the book? Let us know in life. We're subject to run into things that, again, that'll rock your world. It'll rock your boat. You stagger like you're in a boxing match. Almost ready to go down, but you still got to hang in there. If you let anything cause doubt between what this book says about Jesus and about this world, we're on the wrong page. Now, what was the solution? When we find ourselves about to doubt, the solution, this will take us to communion. Solution. Jesus said, it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, when they went down there and told them, said, hey, Jesus, I'm sure they probably said, now, Jesus, we didn't see it. But, but, but John told us to come down here and ask you, but now we, we, we didn't see it. You know how we are. We ain't, ain't going to take no, no credit, no blame. Uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again those things. I put a star there because these are the answers. What keep us going? The things that we've heard and that what we see, what we heard from the book. When we are doubting, feeling like giving up, we got to remember what have we heard and what have we seen through the eyes of faith concerning the reality of God and this planet. What we come to church and we see the evidence, we say, that's God, praise God, that's, that was God. There come a time where we have to let it, as the Bible said, the Holy Spirit will bring to our memory things that he have told us. We've got to remind ourselves it's not about what we're going through. It's what he has showed us and what he has said to us. That brings us to communion. Come on, deacons. That brings us to communion. And what is behind communion are the things that we've heard and the things we've seen. The things we've seen, God, Jesus, killed, dead, buried, three days and three nights in a grave, dead, resurrected. Everything Jesus did, it was because he had faith in what God had told him. We do what we do because we got faith in what God have told us through Jesus, which is equivalent to the word. We remind ourselves, even though it don't look like it. Jesus said, I won't leave you. Now, circumstances will come where you'll want to leave me. But if you remind yourself of what I've said, as it come down, as it come down to uh, communion, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance, not in memory. We have memory of persons who has gone on home, especially we're not saved. But when we look at it, if we're saved, we have remembrance. Because when you have remembrance of a person, you expect them to see them again. Memories mean it's over, you have memories, you ain't got nothing but the past. But we Christians, we lose someone. We expect to see them again. 
as often as you do this, starting with Jesus, do it in remembrance that I told you that I was going to get up. Not only that, I'm going to come back and get you one day. That's what he said. That's why we do communion. That's why it's so sacred. And the Bible tells us that if you don't believe what this represents, don't do it. Don't do it to be in the crowd. If you don't believe Jesus was who he said he was, if you don't believe he was God in the flesh, if you don't believe what this represents, the Bible says if you eat and drink unworthily, unworthily points to frame of mind. If you're eating and drinking and you really don't believe it, the Bible says you're eating and drinking damnation to your soul. But if you believe what it says, then you're welcome to eat and drink. And what it is telling us, that our eating and drinking is symbolic of Christ in us, the seed. It points to enmity while we're in this world, especially once we identify, and we'll get there as we keep going. Now, we don't have no music today, and I just sniffing and carrying on really gets on my nerve. But uh, while we're being served, that's, let's sing a song that we, that brought us, that we started out singing. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, keep on riding. Amen. 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 Well, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, keep on riding. Amen. serve who wish to be served. Anyone who need help in opening the package, raise your hand. Oh, you already here. All right. Don't be laughing at me. Put a curse on you. <laughs> Amen. Well, the Holy Ghost give me strength. Oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, give me strength. Well, Holy Ghost, Holy 
Give me strength. Amen. Amen. Well, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, stand by me. Amen. Well, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, According to our faith and what this represents. Now, let's let me back up a minute. This being the last. I'm sorry. Yes. You got it. You need a, another package. Okay. This being the last first Sunday in the year, we know that this is already blessed because God blessed it throughout eternity. When he told the disciples, as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. But it's customary, but we do try to keep in mind the last communion of the of the year. We try to have a special blessing uh, on that. Not not saying it's need it's needed because God know our needs. But again, he understands what we're trying to do. Our Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for bringing us down through another year. We pray that our actions have been evidence to you that we believe what this represents, uh, Christ in us, and we in Christ by faith. We have tried and is still trying and live a life of faith, and we pray that a life that we live in some small way, you will be satisfied as you see your faith being exhibited through our life. We pray that this bread, as we eat it, it goes in our body, and this juice, as we drink it, that it would also serve as evidence of your healing power. The things that you know that we pray to you about all the time concerning your healing. And we understand, Lord, that the ultimate of your healing is to take us out of these bodies. Even though we don't, we're not in a rush because we are not that faithful yet. But we don't complain. We say whatever your will is, then that let it be done in our life. If your will is that I fall dead right now, if it's your will, Lord, let it be done. Because my faith is that I wake up in glory. Thank you for the blessings that you have put on us as a church, as a family, please continue to lead and guide us. Please allow our efforts to serve your purposes so that we'll be standing in your presence. We hear you say, well done. All these things, in Jesus' name, we'll pray it. Amen. Now, the bread represent the body of Christ that we eat. Pointing to the spiritual message that by faith we accept Jesus. He's in us just like this bread is in us. 
the wine, the juice, they represent the blood. Uh, Leviticus 17 and 11 tell us that the life was in the blood. What life? The new life that God sent to us. Remember, it was his reasoning cause us to be made subject to vanity, cause us to be to fall because we were subject to vanity with the promise that he would get us back. And the way he would get us back, he would send new life to us in the blood of Jesus that was shed. And as we put this juice in our mouth, it represents, it's a testimony to God that we believe that Christ is in us and that's our hope. That's why we are so sure that when our time is up on this planet, we're on our way. We drink. Our audience, please stand. And please repeat after me, please. With our head bowed, eyes closed. Let the words of my mouth, and the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.